This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo! It is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. And yeah, I brought the yo out because coming Seriously. up with you... Well, I mean, we got Mickey Moniak on the pod, Jack. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Not bring out the yo for Mick, for our guy, like my new favorite Philly. Let's go, Mick. <sighs> he is the greatest. I do. Oh, I know. We're both swooning. So uh, obviously the uh, the magic of podcasting, um, we just recorded with Mick. Yes. Uh, so you'll hear that coming up soon. But let me tell you, we're both in love with Mickey Moniak. Like just a just a, a dude. So in. Hashtag officially our guy. Yeah, he's our guy. He's our guy. Yeah. On the Phillies, he's our number one guy. By the way, we never did this, but but our other guy is gone. So so goodbye, Barrels. I miss you. Right. We didn't say an official goodbye to Phil Gosselin. But Phil is gone. We need a guy. Mickey has filled the spot. Mickey is the official Philly of the IELTS podcast. How yes. about it? And uh, also... He's the hottest hitter on the planet. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. Star in the making. Yeah, you know? of course. Star in the making. Yeah. Uh, we will get later to who is a fi- the official not Philly. Yes. Of the podcast. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, all right. Before we get to Mick, which we'll get to in a few minutes, and trust me, it's awesome. You definitely want to stay for it. Um, let's talk a, a quick catch up with what's been going on in spring training since we last spoke, Jack. What's uh, what stuck out to you the most uh, since we spoke the last few times? Let me guess real quick before you say anything. Is it? I don't know. Because because in Philadelphia, um, certain people, um, maybe named Howie Roseman, have gotten in trouble for talking about factories. Right. But Jack, huh. the power pitching factory, maybe. <laughs> All this team does is develop hard throwers. Been saying it for years. It is, I got to say, man, it is hilarious to me that, like, all we did was complain about how the Phillies have no power pitching. And the guy who, I mean, you said you didn't want it all. I always loved Dave Dombrowski. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, came yeah. In, he came in here and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get some power arms. And, like, you just see it. I mean, every game, it's just like, oh, here's a guy that throws 97 to 100. Here's Jose Alvarado, who is an absolute superstar. I mean, it's just like a superstar. Like, let's not. It, oh, the only thing Jose Alvarado has to do is stay healthy. Like, that's it. Because if he stays healthy, he's going to be awesome. Well, I don't know even why you're allowed to react to any spring training results after last podcast. So I don't want uh, you. It's not, it has nothing to do with spring training results. He just looks healthy, Jack. That was my only issue. He looks healthy. I'm in. Let's go. All right. I just don't want you to get too ahead of yourself and dampening all of our all of our spirits <laughs> about, about spring training results. But. Um, yeah, Why so, are we even talking about it? Well, I don't know. Well, because uh, I'm not even remotely close to being over it. But, um, but yeah, no, it's just it's just like crazy. You sit down, you watch every game, and you know, for for forever, it was like Jonathan Pettibone coming up 91 miles an hour, and like all these guys. I don't know why I singled out Jonathan Pettibone. Sorry, John. Um, you're always you're. I'm always thinking about Jonathan Pettibone and how disappointing he was. But like. It's, it was like 91, 92, 93. Like it was, that was the max. And then Matt Klentak, who was allergic to, to guys who threw hard. Um, and now it's just, it's just power arms, power arms, power arms. But you know the nice part, James, is that 
they have a good mix as well. Like a, a Tony Watson just coming in in the middle of the game, throwing off people's uh, looks. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, who is actually throwing the hardest of his career right now, or harder than last year at least. Um, but he's up to 93 as well. But even even that's like softer than most of the bullpen guys. Like it just it just it just gives us um, you know a lot of looks for teams to 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 worry about. Yeah, no, it, it, I, and that's a really good point. And that's actually something that'll come up when we talk with Mickey, but the idea of you do need that change of speed. You do need a different look. And look again, like I know I've said it before and I'll say it again, and I'm still not ready to say this bullpen's going to be great or good or, or whatever, but I do like the idea when you mentioned Tony Watson, when you mentioned Brandon Kinsler, I like the idea that I've actually watched these guys pitch in Major League Baseball before and I've seen them get big outs. I've seen them get saves before, like, both those guys I've owned on fantasy teams, Jack, like just having major league pitchers in that pen is like, wow, what a miracle. We've got guys who've gotten outs before. Like, I think it just underlines. Cause look, I I'm really excited about Kinsler. I'm excited about Watson. I'm super excited about Alvarado, obviously as a player excited about Archie Bradley, whatever. I'm excited about the moves that they've made to, to boost the pen. But it's not like they went out and and got a bunch of studs. Like it's not like they went out and spent a bunch of money to rebuild the pen. Like it just underlines and underscores just how pathetic and atrocious that bullpen was last year. That that the moves they've made are are such big upgrades. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it, this is kind of how I felt when Daryl Morey took over. Where it was like he just made the obvious moves, and everyone's like, "Wow, this is great!" Totally, like what? Totally, like the Josh Richardson for Steph Curry trade was like, duh, like oh yeah, duh. Josh Richardson doesn't fit on this team at all. Someone who can shoot threes that well, like what a perfect move! What a perfect move! It's crazy, and that's that's how I feel watching the Phillies right now. It's like all everything with them just makes sense. Like even even a signing like a Brad Miller, even a signing like Matt Joyce, although I'm not sure he's going to make the team um, to go along with bullpen. It's like. This is this is building a roster, right? I mean, and if there's one thing that Dombrowski definitely knows how to do, it it is build build a, a roster that can, can that can compete. I mean, Brad Miller's not the best player in the world, but for three million dollars, he's gonna play a bunch of positions and hit bombs. You know, I mean, getting getting Tony Watson and Brandon Kinsler on minor league deals, trading um, a, a, a Garrett Clevenger who's older than Jose Alvarado uh, for Jose Alvarado, getting him in here, a power lefty that they could develop and, and make sure he's healthy. Like these were all no brainer moves. And I feel like I said this for two pod, two, two off seasons in a row was like, it's not that hard to build a good bullpen. Like it's just, it's just not that hard to build a good bullpen. And I don't know how good this Phillies bullpen is, whatever. Like they're definitely be better than last year. And I just, I just trust them to, to, to consistently get outs on a night in night out basis. So are they going to be the best bullpen in all of baseball? Probably not. But like, Brandon Kinsler and Tony Watson are like your five, six guys. Whereas last year, they're probably the best guys in the bullpen, you know? So um, it's just such a massive upgrade. It was such an obvious upgrade, obvious moves. And you're, it's, you're paying dividends right now. I mean, the, 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 the guys who are actually going to make this team pitching wise have, have done their job so far in, in spring training. So um, it's just such, such a breath of fresh air and it just, you know, last year, every time we, t- every time they took a lead, it was like, well, here we go. Like, I can't wait till this. It was like, well, this will yeah, be fun. Yeah. How are they going to blow this tonight? But um, they don't blow them anymore, hopefully. And um, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's going to be so nice not watching with 
anxiety as to how are they going to blow it tonight? It, it, I, I don't think you can underscore that. Like, it, it'll be so refreshing to not feel like every game is over when you have a lead and you're not going to win it. Like, and, and honestly, even more so, you talked about this a lot last year, and I thought it was one of your rare great points. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the point that like you could see it on the players, you know, you could see Bryce Harper kind of slump down when they would bring someone in. You could see like, like, and how much is, if, if we feel that way, if we're watching the games and we feel like, oh, we got no chance because it's bullpen, like those players have to feel that way too. Like they're there for it. They're seeing it. And like how much energy and life that sucks out of a baseball team, I think was palpable. And I, I thought that was a really great point by you. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I just it feels like there's like a renewed sense. I mean, you saw how you saw how committed Bryce was to getting Brandon Kinsler here. I mean, you know, Brandon Kinsler's not a uh, world beater. He's he's a good pitcher, but Bryce is like, dude, please, like, I'm, I'm, I'm we need you, we I'm, need you. And 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 this isn't talked about enough when when projecting this Phillies team. You know, a lot of people are think they're gonna be good, but it's like 80, 81 to what eighty six wins. You'd say, I mean, that seems to be somewhere the, in that range, yeah. Like those, uh, those middle two thousands boa teams. Um, yeah. But How about Larry. But but what uh, but what I think a lot of people don't realize or remember or whatever, it's like the Phillies had the, they held they held the second most leads in the NL last year behind the Dodgers. Like they blew so many games last year because their bullpen was so bad that they didn't have a chance. Well, they had a chance to make the playoffs, but whatever. But like they had the second. They had the second most leads in all of baseball last year. Wild. The second most leads in all in, in, in the end last thing. year, and the, and the Dodgers won the World Series. Like they're the best team in, in baseball. They had the second most leads in the NL last year. So, at, at, you know, at the end of the year, and this bullpen was such an atrocity that they couldn't do anything with those leads. So, you know, I'm not going to say they're a 92 win ball club or whatever, but like we need to factor that in when talking about this Phillies team. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's a, a really good point. Uh, what else has stood, stood out to you from spring training before we get to Mick in a minute? Um, I don't know. Like, there's, you know, it's the, the offense is like I don't want to like overreact or whatever because there's no point to overreact. To, like, for me, pitchers always are 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 ahead of batters at the beginning of spring training, and the hitters kind of start seeing live pitching again, and and they and they figure it out. But, um. The, the the hitters don't look exactly you know sparkling now with with them more than I would say a lot of guys in the bullpen like I'll take track records and and all of that like I'll take track records of this guy knows how to get it done this guy knows how to get it done the one guy I am I am genuinely concerned about and we talked about it a little bit last podcast is is Scott Kingery um, now I know he squared up Garrett Cole today ninety eight miles an hour. Um, but it was also a fastball down in the zone where, where Kingery can get it. Like Kingery has such a huge hole in his swing when it comes to fastballs up. Like he just can't make contact with them. And when he does, it's like a it's like a, a foul ball right behind him. Like he has he has such a huge problem hitting fastballs right now. And until he fixes that, he's just not gonna be the player that, that we hope he can be or that hashtag jetpacks back. I mean, he batted one forty three against fastballs last year, and fastballs are the pitch that in modern baseball, you have to do damage against. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna be a good major league hitter if you can't do damage against fastballs. This is what this is what got Bryce off to a slow start a couple of years ago was not catching up to fastballs. We acknowledged it. Whatever. Well, Kingery's doing the same thing now, except he has a huge hole where if you throw a fastball up, he's not he's, he has no shot at making contact on it. Like all of his hard contact outside of today 
Uh, and last year was on change ups or curveballs and stuff like that. Like he can, cause he can catch up to it. And right now he can't catch up to, to fastballs. So um, until he fixes that, I'm just not, um, not super high on hashtag jetpacks back. So with that sad fact, you know, part of this, but what does that make you think about the center field spot? Like, uh, it, I mean, I had almost coming into spring training, assumed that Kingery or Hazley, and obviously the Hazley injury changes things, but I assumed that, that Kingery would play there, you know, that yeah. it made the most sense to at least more often than not. I know he gives you a lot of, you know, options as he could play so many places, but um, if Kingery continues to struggle this spring and, and shows he can't play, what do you think happens? Uh, I don't, I mean, I think we know what happens. I mean, ah, uh, do you really though? Because I don't. I'm not there yet. What about the guy we're about to talk to? That's what Tell I'm me talking why about. Moniac can't be my starting opening day center fielder. I got Tell a new. Me. I got a new hashtag, James. You ready for it? I, I've been waiting. I'm. I'm. I'm like on the edge of my seat right now. Jack. Hashtag why not Mick? Why not Mick? Yes. In fact, here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. Okay. I'm gonna do. And this is very unlike me because I'm not Mr. Twitter guy like right. you. Okay. I'm gonna tweet it out right now. Right now. While while we're on the pod, I'm just gonna tweet out just the hashtag, and no one's gonna have any idea what we're talking about. And it's gonna be one of those things that people who listen to the pod will go back and see that hashtag why not Mick? Because this is so unlike me. You do bits on Twitter. You do. I tweet out links to stuff. Yeah. I know. And you know, everyone's on a thought, but like me, just tweeting out a hashtag out of nowhere, it's happening right now. You ready for this? I am. Jack, should I do it? Yes. I just tweeted. Nice. Hashtag why not I just Mick. Tweet. Hashtag why not Mick. And that's it. That's all I put out there. So. Well, in, in all seriousness, um, like, I I just, I, I need the Phillies, I need the Phillies to at least give him a chance, like, in the starting. Like, if he's going to continue to be this good and, and Girardi's going to say all the things about how he's in the mix and, um, you know, if there's a reason why he's in camp and, and all that stuff, they got to let him start. I mean, they—they're not even—they—they gotta let him just see how he does against the a Garrett Cole or the actual starters in, in baseball. Like he's doing great. It's just against guys that are, are fringe roster guys. If you're serious about him actually being in the starting in the starting center field uh, conversation, and you're not just trying to get a certain someone to to be the opening day center field, like give him a chance. I mean, it, see what he can do against against the guys that are up there. See how far he really has come. And I understand it's, it's going to be a long shot to for him to be the starting uh, center fielder on opening day. But if he's your best option and he goes out there and does it against major league caliber arms, like hashtag why not Mick? I mean, why not like why not Mickey Moniak? I mean, is that not a good scenario where he goes out there? They've been waiting for someone to come take the center field job. What if it's the 22-year-old guy you drafted number one overall? I mean, why why can it not be that guy? Like, really, Adam Hazley? Like, seriously, Roman Quinn? Seriously, does he who shall not be named? Like, why? Like, don't downplay it. What if he's What if he's good now? What if like What if Moniac's good now? What if he's good now? What if he can just go and take center field and and be a a a major league caliber center fielder? That's a good scenario. So like until until they put him in the starting lineup and see if he can do it against major league caliber pitchers, like I just I think they're they're, they're this is trending towards where we don't want it to trend to, and I, I just I I want to see I want them to give him a chance. Yeah, I I mean look again it'd be the and again he's only twenty two you know? know dude that's crazy. It's, I know. Like, been that's in, the thing. Like a lot of guys, most guys don't reach the majors by 22. Even like you know, it's not crazy. Like so, I don't know. 
I'm with you. Maybe, maybe, I, I mean, maybe we are gushing because we just talked to him, but because he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just I want to see them at least at least give him a shot, see if he can do it. I know they're worried about you know him having playing time, getting up here. They wanted to give him at bats, and um, maybe they don't want to the, hurt the confidence by putting him in there. And and he struggles a little bit in spring training, and then he's not where he needs to be. But listen, eventually he's got he's got to do it, and and spring training is a good time to do it. So. I, I just, you know, I want to see it. I want to see it. Hashtag why not Mick. Hashtag why not Mick. All right. Uh, you got anything else on spring? We'll do the take bag, obviously, and no, stuff I'll later. Save, but... I'll save it all for the take bag. All right. Well, then let's get to it. Let's because do it's it. The best part of, it's the best part of this podcast. The one, the only. Mickey Monahan. And it is our distinct pleasure to welcome back to the pod for the second time we can officially say a friend of the podcast, the hottest man down in Florida, one, the only, <laughs> Mr. Mickey Moniak. Mick, dude, thank you for coming uh, back on, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for the introduction. Well, Mick, awesome. I, I mean, do you feel a bad having the unfair advantage of, of seeing beach balls right now down in, down in Clearwater? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. You know, just uh, – I mean, it's been good. I think, you know, a lot of a lot of hard work this offseason, a lot of good work with uh, Joe D down here. And, uh, yeah, man, it, it's baseball. When uh, when you're seeing the ball this well, I think, uh, you know, baseball is a really fun sport. And, you know, just trying to trying to keep it going, trying to stay consistent. So it's uh, it's been fun. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Mickey, what would you say is the, the biggest difference between uh, last spring and this spring? I mean, I other than I mean, I think just maturing, uh, you know, mentally and physically, um, just having an extra year under my belt, and then having the confidence of knowing that, you know, I did get up there last year, and um, you know, kind of just, you know, seeing big league pitching, being in the clubhouse last year, seeing what it takes, um, and and you know, kind of knowing what it takes uh, has been you know huge for me going into this camp, and um, you know, last year was was a crazy year with COVID and. Uh, falling down the stairs and, and going to the alt site and then finally getting called up. And, um, I mean, it was just, you know, so much stuff to build off of. And, you know, I was excited going into this off season and, and excited to get out here. And, and now that I'm here, it's just time to go out and, and play baseball. Yeah, I didn't even think about what a wild – like, it was a wild year for everyone last year and uh, in baseball. But for you to be at the alt site and then called up and that your first taste of the big leagues – that's a, I mean, it's a pretty wild ride. What was it like to get that first taste in the big leagues? And and what's the biggest difference from going from seeing minor league pitchers to major league pitchers on a night-to-night basis? Yeah, no, I mean, first off, it was a dream come true. Um, just be able to, to make those phone calls to family and friends and, and let them know that, um, you know, I, I, all the hard work paid off and it was time and, and just kind of, uh, you know, kind of just, validating for me just getting up there you know fulfilling a dream and you know my whole my whole thought process ever since I got drafted you know got drafted and then it was what's next you know went to the minor leagues what's next was getting to the big leagues well getting to the big leagues now it's staying in the big leagues so um it was it was wild I think um you know the biggest difference from from playing every day in the minor leagues versus playing in the big leagues is is the consistency of the guys up there uh the fewer mistakes um you know, just little things like that. They're still the same pitchers, and, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot more information when you get up there uh, on both sides, you know, on you and then also on the pitcher. So 
it's just being able to to kind of utilize that information, figure out what works for you, and and just go out there and play. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's a tough sport. And, uh, you know, if you, if you're thinking too much, it's it's gonna usually end up you know bad, at least for me. But um, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's crazy, man. It, it was fun. Now, Mickey, uh, one of the founding principles of this podcast is that we don't lie to the High Hopes listeners. And, uh, you know, welcome into the trust tree. And we just talked about your big league debut. Obviously, you didn't start that night. But let's say it was your big league debut. Were you nervous if you had to face Jacob DeGrom that night? I, uh, I would be lying if I said I wasn't. Uh, it, was a, it was a crazy day. You know, I got, I got the call in the morning. Um, you know, had about five hours in between, you know, five hours in my hotel room in Lehigh from the time I got home from the field to the time I was getting picked up by the car service. And it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a done deal, you know, COVID. I wasn't, you know, allowed to be at the field until they made a roster move. So I got to the, I got to the hotel in Philly, was sitting in the bed, uh, you know, for another hour and a half just kind of waiting for them to, to give me the phone call to get to the field. And I remember getting to – I didn't even think about who was pitching that night. And I remember getting to Philly in the, in the, in the hotel room and looking. And I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, I wonder who we got. And saw, and I was like, oh, well, you know, here we go. <laughs> like, whoops. But, uh, yeah, didn't get the start. But it was uh, – I mean, I think we got him that night. You know, we put a few runs on him, got him out early. So, it, oh. was, uh, it was a good first taste. Well, listen, it's about time he falls back down to earth. I mean, we can't we can't have a Mets pitcher be the most dominant player on earth. But uh, you eventually I did agree. you eventually did get the first hit off of AJ Cole, I believe. Um, what was yep. it What was it like getting that first hit and finally getting it out of the way? Oh man, you know, I think uh, that was the first time in, in my professional career where I was uh, I felt like I was pressing a little bit. You know, I got my first professional hit that first game. So that was easy. Got that out of the way. It felt good. And then, you know, it took a few games just getting up to the big leagues and it took a few games and uh, just getting that one. I remember getting to first base and telling Paco, the first base coach, you know, now we go. Cause you know, get that first one out of the way. Now you can kind of relax, take a deep breath and get back to playing baseball. And uh, yeah, I mean, after that, I felt comfortable. Um, and, you know, it was, it was sad, you know, how it ended, and, and, you know, now I think we're hungry to, you know, not let that happen this year. Yeah, you could you could say that again, Mick. Uh, what, like, what did that taste do for you for this year? Like, in terms of getting the opportunity to, you know, feel what it's like to be a major leaguer, be a part of the team, face major league pitching, how has that helped you heading into spring training this year and heading into this season this year? Has it made a big difference to, like, have already gotten that little bit of a taste even though it wasn't, you know, a super long time or anything like that? Absolutely. I think there's a comfortability level to, to you know, getting that taste and, and kind of that validation that you are a big leaguer. You know, no one can take that away from you. Um, I think that, you know, going into this spring training, seeing pitching last year uh, in the big leagues, and, and kind of just knowing what, what they're going to try to do. I think, um, you know, going into spring training, there's a lot more – I feel a lot more comfortable in the box. I think, you know, I, I think that there's a confidence level right now that, you know, I belong and, and just trying to go out there and compete and fight for a job and, um, you know, try to control what I can control. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I can control is, is you know, what I do in between the lines. And then after that, it's, it's you know, it's management, it's, the coaching staff, it's, it's all that, 
you know, the decision makers. I'm just here to, you know, play baseball. So, Mickey, what's it been like playing under a guy like Joe Girardi? Obviously, wins the World Series. He's in New York forever. You know, that's obviously the biggest market in the world. Now he's your manager. Uh, what's it been like playing under Joe? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I think you know when we signed Joe and when he when he decided to come here and be the manager, I was I was extra excited just knowing that track record and and knowing that he's you know Coach Jeter, A Rod, you know all these big names. Um, I think you know having him at the helm is there's a experience level to him. I think you know when it gets down to it, I think you know he's going to know what to do. And um, you know this year we got a good group of guys. We, we bolstered that bullpen. You know. Pitching's looking good. Guys are getting their timing down. So uh, I think a lot of things are coming together, and, and having him at the, uh, at the helm is, is definitely, you know, we're in a good spot. What have, uh, what have Joe Dillon and, and Jason Ochart, like, wh- well, how influential have they been in, in you, you kind of breaking out here? I think, you know, I think Joe, Joe Dillon, going back to last spring training, has been huge for me. I think just he kind of got me back to – to where I was in high school and really made me, you know, think about, you know, what got me here and what I do good and, and, and kind of just my strengths. And that's just, you know, putting the ball in play, hitting line drives, using the whole field. Uh, I think for a while my swing got a little loopy, getting caught up in the analytics side of, you know, launch angle and, and all these things, the blast motion, the, you know, the K-vest, your kinetic sequencing, all this stuff that makes absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> um, does, I feel like does not help me whatsoever. Um, but I think having Ochart, who knows all that stuff, has been huge because, you know, he doesn't expect me to know that stuff. He kind of just relays the information and kind of tells me, uh, tries to tell me in a more old-school baseball way how to do it. Um, and I think, you know, Joe Dillon is, is that old-school baseball guy that, that know, but also knows the analytics side. So I think going back to, to last spring training, just working with him and then going into the quarantine, try to build off of that and um, – you know, I've come a long way since last spring training. You can, if you ever get a chance to talk to, talk to Joe Dillon, I'm, heard, I'm sure he'll say the same thing. But, um, you know, right now I feel like I'm in a good spot, and I credit a lot of it to, to those two guys for sure. Mickey Moniak talking about Jason Ochart is probably the most high hopes thing that has ever happened on the High Hopes podcast. So, so many, that, that's, that's awesome. So many of uh, our guys in one. It's like incredible. it's our guys. It's just our guys. Uh, speaking of of you know Phillies guys. Um, look, 22-year-old Mick coming up to the big leagues, 21, you know, now 22, coming up to the big leagues and, and playing with guys like Andrew McCutcheon, who you saw win an MVP as a kid. You know, Bryce Harper you've been watching for, for as a, you know, in high school and stuff like that. What's it like to play with these, like, larger-than-life guys and, and to not just be playing with them, but your teammates? Like, you guys are on the same freaking team. Like, what's that like, Mick? Oh, it's unbelievable. I think, you know, before I knew him, you know, obviously getting to know him and, and watching them work and, and the stuff they do every day is, you know, there's, it's, it's obvious to why, you know, they've had the success they've had. And, and it's just something that's awesome for me to watch because, you know, I'm trying to get better every day. I'm trying to get to their level and just kind of picking things from, you know, maybe their routine that might work for me and trying different stuff out, you know, by just watching them has been incredible. I think that, you know, before I met him, it was like, like you said, you know, watching McCutcheon win an MVP, watching Harper win an MVP, you know, Harper being the chosen one in high school, hitting balls off the back of, you know, Tropicana Field was, I, I'll never forget that being like in sixth grade, watching his YouTube video 
of just him putting balls, you know, out at Tropicana Field as a sophomore in high school, just, you know, hitting the back wall. And, and you know, now he's my teammate. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, he's just, a, he's just a normal guy. He's just a normal guy. He's got incredible talent. And, you know, he's a great teammate. Uh, he loves his teammates and, and he wants to win. And I think it's just, uh, it's, it's been awesome, man. It's, it's definitely, uh, I would say a dream come true. And, and I think that, you know, just having guys like that is, is only going to benefit me and this team, uh, you know, immensely. So, Mickey, what would you say was the, uh, the nastiest pitch you saw in the bigs last year? Hmm. That uh, that familiar sinker is, is is a tough one, <laughs> and he's getting yeah. it up there at 98, and it's you know moving like a bowling ball. It's uh, it's not fun, but you know, it's called making an adjustment. I think you know maybe next time, I'll see it a little better. I think there's a little bit of uh, you know, nerves, adrenaline going that first time, but I think you know, I think that's that that's the one that stood out. Obviously, Edwin Diaz is yeah frisbee sink frisbee you know two seam. Uh, but yeah, there's, I mean, in the short time, I think I saw, saw a couple guys that were, were impressive. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think the first, was your first start against Seth Lugo and I mean, his curveball Lugo, is disgusting. Yeah. yeah, no, he's got good stuff. I saw him pretty well, actually. I think, um, you know, obviously he got me out a couple times and, um, but yeah, that was, you know, just, it's the big leagues, you know, they're consistent. They know what they're doing. Um, you know, you got to really be you got to really be on your game to to succeed up there for sure. Mickey, if a 22 year old Mickey Moniak, you know, up to 205, which I mean, it can't, it's crazy. You came in at 168, and now you're 205, yep. absolutely yoked. If you could give if you could give 18 year old Mickey Moniak any advice, what would you give him? Buckle up. It's going to be a crazy ride from uh, a lot of ups and downs from, you know, the GCL all the way till now. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs and uh, just enjoy every second of it because, you know, as we've seen with COVID, it it can get ripped away real quick when you least expect it. And, uh, yeah, man, I think that that would be the best advice I could give. You know, I'm still trying to go, but, you know, take that advice right now as we speak and, uh, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. It's been a crazy year, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm 39, Mick, so I'm I'm significantly older than both of you guys, which Jack likes to remind me of yeah. every <laughs> freaking day. But let me tell you that advice, it's much easier to give yourself advice than to follow it. And and that never changes. Well, Mickey, so, Mickey aren't you surprised at how high his voice is for how old he is? Like, aren't you a bit caught off? Does your voice get lower oh, when you're old? Yeah. Like is that is that how it works? No, I don't, I don't know. So, I, don't, I don't have the deepest voice, so yeah. I'm, uh, I'm right yeah. there with you. Look at this guy over here. <laughs> my, 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 like, basically, like, he's like a, young enough to be my son, Mick. Oh, you both man. are, sadly. <laughs> sadly. All right, let's get to the important oh, stuff. Man. Speaking of this guy that, that keeps talking over here, let's be honest, Mick. I mean, do you worry that your career is constantly just hanging in the balance through no fault of your own based on whether Jack decides to put you in the bio or – or how does it feel just to be a Fritz guy? I mean, that's like the kiss of death, Mick, if we're going to be real. So do you worry about that? You know what? I uh, I don't. I don't. I think <laughs> you Correct know, answer. The, the, whole bi- the whole bio thing, I, I don't know if I told you this the last time I was on, but my buddies were, were texting, you know, out of the bio when I was in Clearwater and I started going off a little bit. 
And I had <laughs> no clue what the hell they were talking about. And I would ask them, what the hell does that mean? And they would, they'd be like, don't worry about it. You're out of the bio. And I was like, I, it would take me bad for a while. Cause I was like, they would not say it. And then finally, finally I figured that out, that that was it. But I mean, Hey, you know, it's a, it's an honor to be a Fritz guy. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put on, I'm trying to perform and, and, you know, be his guy up there. So we'll see what, we'll see wow. what I can do. Wow, you just made his day. Yeah, Rick. I got, I got, I, no, I got my work here. Year, year, maybe life. It's possible life. I, I just appreciate, oh, I appreciate the your, your buddies appreciating the bio. I mean, the bio is a very dangerous place, Mickey. Um, but <laughs> it, it, you, you are out of it for now. Um, but don't get hot because yeah, never, it, never. All right, know, let's, let's not mess with our guy here. I know. This is our guy. I know, but if, if he gets hot, Mickey, I'm gonna throw a victory lap. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna dunking on fools. All right. Hey, perfect. I love that. <laughs> Mick, I, thank you for, for putting up with this guy. Because speaking of speaking oh, of this guy, um, along, along those lines, because, you know, we've talked before, you know, the, the whole the Jack Fritz thing. In terms of, like, feet or, or distance, how far could you hit a Jack Fritz pitch? Like seven hundred, eight hundred. Is that too far? Is that humanly possible? Like five fifty, six hundred. I mean, how far could you knock one? Oh man. Well, and that's a tough question. Guys, yeah. Because that's, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a power guy. I don't, I don't, I don't like. If I think of myself yeah, as a Jack power Ritz guy, pitch, I'm going back to Mick, so, yeah, yeah, but no. you, right. you weren't a power well, guy I mean, though. You're developing. Developing exactly. That's not like a developing power guy. Line drives that turn into homers. That's all it is. But uh, I don't know if I can put a number on that one. I mean, the guy's <laughs> had my back all, you know, my whole career. I don't know if I want to do that to him. You know what I mean? Well, especially so. when you, especially when you factor in. I mean, I don't know how you how well you do with cutters, but we're talking like an eighty mile an hour cutter in on the hands. Good luck, good luck getting your hands with that pitch, Mick. That's all I'm saying. Might be so slow that it throws you off. Like maybe Jack has an advantage that you're like, wow, I haven't seen a pitch that slow in a long time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's a real thing. I will tell you right now that that is a real thing. So I don't know. I think the cutter, the cutter definitely brings an interesting, you know, aspect to it. I think out of one pitch in pro ball that I've really had to work on, it's the cutter. I think you know if you would if you would have told me that a couple years ago, I'd have been definitely more worried. Right. But but you know. We'll see. Which we'll uh, see. which so the Phillies? I mean, they're they're bringing in some power arms. I'm sure you see it. Like, which of those guys? Oh, yeah. Which of those guys do you think you'd have the toughest time against? And why is it Jose Alvarado? <laughs> yeah, you're good, dude. You are good. He is. I mean, he's nasty. Unbelievable. He is gross. I am so glad that he is on our team now because I remember last spring training being in Port Charlotte the day that we got shut down. And he was in that last inning. And I remember being, you know, borderline in the hole, you know, kind of counting down the counting the lineups as all baseball players do to see if they're going to get up or see, if, you know, what are the chances. And I remember him being in the game. Just it was the opposite. Usually I'm counting the lineup to see, you know, all right, I'm ready to get up. This time I was like, okay, you know, how many guys have to get out so I don't have to face this guy? And uh, now he's on our team. So he's he's – I mean, it's fun to watch from the outfield. That's for sure. Mickey, what what did you uh, what were you eat, eating this off season to go from one ninety five to two hundred five, or is that just pure strength at this point? I think maybe like you know, 
puberty. Yeah. I don't know. I it's it's I think you know the body. I I always I always tell people that if I did nothing in the off season, I think I would still put on five pounds just from strictly growing as a human being. But I tried to eat this this off season was was huge for me. I tried to eat as healthy as possible. I really tried to focus on you know what I was putting in my body as well as you know coming off a knee injury last year. I think that. Um, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent last year, obviously, you know, healthy enough to play knees are tough because, um, you know, you're good enough to play, but you know, there's just always something a little bit off. And, you know, I worked hard to, with a with a physical therapist all off season and, uh, you know, felt like I got a lot of good work done there. So, I mean, it was, it was a, uh, it was a, a, an important off season for sure. And I felt like, you know, I got the most out of it. Yeah, I think that, you know, you're still only 22, like you're still growing and stuff, you know, you're, you know, I, I think that makes a, a ton of sense. All right, Mick, one more for me. Um, so again, to the I'm old and, and you guys aren't. That's thing. right. Uh, yes, I have a two year old daughter. Shout out to Zoe. She's awesome. She's the best thing ever. I'm obsessed with her. Um, but it, with that in mind that I'm, I, yeah, she's the best. She's awesome. Um, but with that in mind, um, if you had to choose, if I if I had to have someone babysit Zoe for a night, a Phillies player, those are my only options. The 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 roster of the Philadelphia Phillies, and I come to my good friend Mick, because because you know you're my best friend on the team. That's pretty clear. You're you know our guy. Um, if I come to you and I say Mickey, who do I leave my daughter with? Who on this team is the the person that is going to do the best job babysitting my two year old girl? Who would you tell me to take? Listen, there's a lot of guys, surprisingly. Usually I feel like when people talk about, you know, sports teams, it's a bunch of just crazy dudes that, you know, like to have a good time. We like to have a good time, but there's a lot of guys that I would suggest. And I think the best one, number one, would be Zach Eflin. Oh, that's a great wow. answer. Just one of wow. the I best love that. guys of all time. Yeah, one of the best guys of all time. He, your daughter would be in great hands. She would be safe when I you came it. home. So that's that that would be your guy for sure. I love that you had an answer locked and loaded for that. Like you didn't – first of all, I love that you said a lot of people because it makes me think, oh, we got a team full of good dudes. But then to have oh, yeah. F ready to roll, Mick, that's why you're the best, man. You're the best. <laughs> Appreciate that. Seriously, Mick, um, we can't tell you how much we appreciate it, you coming back on. And especially now that, you know, you're – crushing baseballs and That's about right. to become a big a big star don't forget about us that's all we ask like don't forget oh, who was there always you know we're just saying never. No, never. seriously mick we, we really 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 appreciate it i promise i will i will tackle jack fritz if i have to if he tries to put you back in the bio you have my word <laughs> okay thank but, you. but we're one that. one hot streak away from being in the bio right mick <laughs> Hey, one hot streak away, one cold streak away. You know, everything in life's fifty-fifty. It's either gonna happen or it's not. Wow, what what a <laughs> what quote! An attitude. What a quote! I think we nice. found we found the uh, name of this podcast, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm t- I'll tell you, for a twenty-two-year-old Mick, that's it's a good attitude, Dad. Man, I'm thirty-nine and I'm still not that zen about things. So that's good work. Hey, like you said, taking your own advice is the hard part. So I'm still <laughs> working on it. <laughs> all right, Mickey. I, pre- I can talk all I want, but. All right, Mickey, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I I, I love this guy. Like, he is – I'm gushing, Jack. I'm not one to gush over guests very often. It's not my thing. 
I'm gushing. I'm all in on Mickey Moniak. I I want nothing but success for this guy. Well, it's about time. You know, I mean, <laughs> it is. You know what? You know what? That's fair. I I won't give you crap for that. You're right. It is about time. This is uh, it's a bad job by me. Well, and and now he's. I mean, I mean, just 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 his friends like being in on the bio bit. I couldn't believe it. I so I've never had a moment when we've had someone on the pod before where I have been more um you know upset that we weren't in the same room together because I wanted to see your face when he said that cuz I know it was an ear to ear moment for you. I know you were like, "Wow. Mixed friends were telling about the bio. How cool is that?" I mean, the bio has reached mainstream at that point. What? How funny is it? How funny is it that a Philadelphia Philly understands one of our dumbass like bits that I, we? It's it, it's beyond funny. It's like it's hard to believe. To be honest, to be completely honest, I I struggle to believe that it is real, Jack. So do I. Like I know we're sitting here, we're physically doing this podcast. I don't think the first twenty minutes of this podcast happened. <laughs> Like I, 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 I genuinely don't like for for as much as like Bryce Harper acknowledging Harper lent, like I was I blacked out I don't remember it like Mickey talking about the bio and being a Fritz guy is is way too inside like my warped baseball brain for for me to comprehend. Yeah, it's it it is too much. It it's is. just too much. It is. It is. It is. But <laughs> it just uh, really is, man. It really is too much. It's I'm awesome. Just, seriously, also... how you know what? Seriously, how how great is that guy? Like, what a, what an awesome talker. What a likable person. Like, I know that anyone who listens, we you know anyone who listens to this pod is a Mickey Moniac fan now, and uh, I think they should be. Uh they definitely should be. Hashtag Why Not Mick. Hashtag Why Not Mick. All right, um, let's get to the take back. I got something else coming up too. You're you very know. excited. You're I, very excited about this. I will have a thing I want to do. Jack, I make fun of me for it, but <laughs> I actually did have have one more thing too before we get to the take back. Okay. Um, uh, what do you think about Bryce hating on analytics? We alluded to it a little bit, Mick, but what do you think about that? Um, so like a shot across the bow, or you know, are you okay with it? Where do you come down on this? Uh, you know, I just think it's a little rich that the only reason he got paid $330 million is because of analytics. Um, no, I mean, like, honestly, like, I don't care if players, like, there's no reason for, for players to worry about exit velocity. Like they, they need to go hit a baseball, like leave that, leave that for the front offices. You know, um, I'm with them on the feel of baseball. Like I, I, I get that to an extent, although guts are inherently stupid. Um, but um, I thought it was fine. I don't know. It seemed like, I don't know. I don't, it was fine. I'm not, I'm not gonna get too worked up about it. Um, Bryce is very favored in the analytic, uh, the analytic age. Um, but you know, whatever. Leave, leave the, leave the analytics to the front. I, I am, I am pro players not worrying about analytics and exit velocity and all that stuff and just playing baseball. I want my front offices to worry about that stuff. Yeah, big, big, big time, big time. All right, what do you got in the take back, bud? All right. Well, number one, we're still working on getting Jim Kutstani in the Wall of Fame. <laughs> it's just, yes, we are working on this. It Na- is our thing. 1950 uh, NL MVP Jim Kutstani. Meanwhile, we got Mike Lieberthal on the Wall of Fame. But um, another like thing, an outrage if I've ever yeah. seen an outrage yeah. like. And even just, though what are we doing? Even though he died in 1973, we are still, uh, uh, you know, continuing the the legend. Um, Hector Neris working on a slider. 
he he flashed a slider the other day that had pretty good bite to it. I don't know how it's going to do or how it's going to play if he can't throw for a strike um, in the season. But honestly, so I was thinking about it, like his splitter, if all right, if you're a righty hitter and his splitter falls uh, top to right, so it comes down to the right, that like, if he can eventually get it to a point where he can tunnel the slider and the, and the splitter from the same angle, like one falls to the right and one falls to the left. Like the splitter goes into righties. And the slider goes away from righty, righties. But if he can throw it in the same spot and they both have the same depth to it, like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you hit Hector Neris in all seriousness. Like that is that is a disgusting one-two punch if he can do it when you couple it with his like ninety-six mile an hour fastball. Like if you, for example, if you're a righty hitter and Neris first pitch ninety-six outside corner up a little bit. And then he puts a splitter, same spot. You think it's fast, but you're, you're swinging right over it. You're waiting for it again. Oh, wait, it's a splitter going the opposite way. Like, that's, that's, that is absolutely lethal. Um, so uh, that is definitely a pitch to monitor. Uh, if, he can, if he can perfect a slider to go along with a splitter, I'm going to say it again, James. I don't know how you, I don't know how you <laughs> I hit can't, I can't. I can't wait. I don't know how you hit Hector Neris. Yeah, I thought you were going to say uh, Hector Neris is the next Mariano Rivera or some such type statement. No, he's the next Jim Constanti. <laughs> well done. Yes, thank you. Uh, no, no, that was legit good work. Yes. By the way, by the way, can I can I quickly jump in since we're speaking of the bullpen just with a, a quick um, who was it, like a who said it type of thing real quick that I have. Um, it's a who said this quote. You good with that? Yes. Okay. Here's the quote, quote unquote. Connor Brogdon is the new Ryan Madsen. Who said it? Me. You said it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I've been on that. I've been on that for a while. You know? I know. I know. I just love it. I feel I like I feel like people are like kind of thinking, oh, you're just jumping on the bandwagon. Like, no, 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 no. And I, I even went back and watched the Madsen changeups, and I'm like, this is it, dude. <laughs> dude I, I legit, like. Dude, I was thinking about this the other day. Their back four, however they want to use it, they can use it multiple multiple times a week. They could mix and match. But how good? How good is a final four of Brogdon, Alvarado, Bradley, Neris? Like potentially, it's legit. It it could be really good. You know, I, I that. And then you you know you got Watson, you got Kinsler, you got JoJo. Like it's pretty exciting. Like they're. I, I'm I'm coming around on the bullpen deck. Do you believe they're gonna have a lower ERA than the uh, the staff yet, than, than the uh, the starting staff yet? No, I'm still more concerned about the bullpen. Interesting. Interesting. Did you see Fangraphs said the Phillies have the seventh best starting staff in baseball? Did you see that, Jack? Uh, I did not see that. Yeah, wow. yeah, they put out their top ten staffs in baseball, starting staffs in baseball, starting rotations in baseball, and they had the Phillies as the seventh best in baseball, Jack. And that look, I, and that you know, however people want to judge rankings or whatever. But I do think that one thing that we hear in Philly, and especially just following your own team and all that, like there are not a lot of good four and five starters across baseball. Like most teams have bad four and five starters, particularly five starters. So like I do, I get it. Like I do think that maybe sometimes while we focus on on concerns about the end of the the rotation, every team for the most part has those concerns too. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I guess we were just spoiled with the four aces. They were like, ah, this is how every team needs, <laughs> I know, needs I know, to do right? it. Um, but yeah, you know, and I and we were pretty hard on the the Chase Anderson signing, but through two games, like I see why they signed him. Guys, look good. Look yeah. Good. Well, it's not that he looks like unbelievable. It's just like, oh, I can see that he's going to take down. He's a, a ma- he's a major league pitcher. He's a guy I'll eat some innings for. Again, you I, like. It is what it is. Innings eaters are a thing. Like there's a reason there's a friggin' term for it. Yeah. Well, and I and I do think that in this year, when you're coming off a season again where these guys were pitching 60 innings max, um, coming off a year before that, where that's a great th- point. Where they're throwing 150 innings, like going from 150 down to 60 and trying to ramp it back up to 150 ish, like that that is not good. that's not good on arms. Like it's just yeah. it's not good it's on a great arms. Great point. So yeah, it, this it really year, is. this year could legitimately be um, one of those kind of war of attrition kind of years. So um, having guys like Chase Anderson who have done it forever, uh, Matt Moore threw the most innings in all of baseball last year. It's a pretty smart plan if we're if we're just coming at it from that angle. And and Chase Anderson, I, you know, I, his upside isn't tremendous. Um, he has like a career. Well, there's not much upside. Right, but I mean, like. It's more of a if luck bounces his way upside type of thing. It's more For like sure. a it's more like if he pitches to a four ERA, you're happy, you know. You're ecstatic. I think you're very if he yeah. is if he's in the three nine four range, you take that and run as fast as you can. Right. Like I'm expecting like six innings, four runs to be the regular, you know. So I'm not even expecting that, but I'd be ecstatic if we got it. Yeah, and that's how I feel about Matt Moore now too. I mean, uh, I I am. I am buying. I am buying Matt Moore stock. Like it just. Wait, hold up, hold up. So, what is the official? How long did it take yourself to talk <laughs> yourself into Matt Moore? Uh, two spring training Sorry. starts. Or, there we go. Yeah, okay, two, good. Two spring for training the, For the record, yes. as all. Yes, you yes. can cut this audio. Um, <laughs> buying stock in Matt Moore. Um, but in all seriousness, his plan of attack is really good. Um, and. He, he has one of those fastballs that is into righties that they just seem to not be able to consistently square up. Now, maybe it's because he does a good job of working his change up away and, and, and all that stuff, um, you know, working his fastball away. But when he gets his fastball inside, um, it's, it's, it's a legit me- weapon. I mean, even the Blue Jays start, um, the Pirates start before that. It wasn't a start against the Blue Jays. He, he relieved Vince Velasquez. But um, there was two straight batters in a row where he threw a fastball in the inside corner and a righty couldn't couldn't square it up. Uh, he's shown good location, been spotting some pitches. Changeup, I think, has become more of a weapon than I was anticipating. And I still think the knuckle curve to lefties is, is a nasty pitch. So with that being said, I don't think he's going to be the worst pitcher in baseball like he was from 2017, hey, 2018. What a, what a win. But like to win for all of us. Yeah, and honestly, like again, same kind of thing as Chase Anderson. Like I'll take a three nine four like like ERA from from Matt Moore all day. Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah. Of course I will. Yes, yes. Again, to the point, there are not many four fives in baseball that pitch to that level. Like there just aren't. You know. Now I do have something that is that is concerning me a little bit, and I know you'll get this uh, this a little bit later. Like. The two things that I'm monitoring and uh, that are that are causing me strife in this day of spring training, which is you know I, I talk myself into every player on the roster, just one to monitor. And this is not a bit. This is actual baseball like watching. This is not. I can a bit. confirm. I'll take care of the bit part. Yeah, this is not. Jack a, is actually serious about. This. I'm worried about Archie Bradley's fastball. 
Like, and and I'm just I'm worried that it doesn't have the same zip. You know, last year when he was throwing 94, like it still had that good rise and good spin, and and so far this spring, it just doesn't have that same bite. I want to say that it had even when it dropped down to 94 last year. Like it's still 94, it just doesn't have the same same backspin to it. So um, just file that under something to monitor. Um, the curveball is still disgusting. I mean, it's 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 gross. It's a legitimately gross pitch. But um, there, there's a part of me when I've watched Archie Bradley's fastball that I'm like, mm, something doesn't feel right here. So I hope I'm wrong. Again, hope I'm wrong. I <laughs> like Archie Bradley. Could love Archie Bradley. But um, just filing that under something that makes me go, uh, hmm. 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 Speaking of which, uh, I just checked in on my hashtag why not make tweet. How's it going? And it good. Nine likes, which is fine because no one has any idea what the hell it is. But someone responded. Scott R said, dude, dot, 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 really? Question mark. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I what this is. Like, what does that even mean? Like, dude, really? Like, do you think he figured it out? And and, and talking about Mickey Maniac? Or is no, there, think... is there, there's no other meaning for why not Mick, right? Like, well, I think, the... I think it's one of those, those haters out there that think he's a, just don't believe in Mickey Maniac the way that we believe. Yeah, we, we, we won't take that. No. That slander will not be accepted on our podcast. All right, Jack, what else you got? Um, another thing that's making me go, hmm, although I didn't like his, his <laughs> out. I'm in on this. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. Uh, I didn't like his outing today, but JD Hammer hitting 97 was a uh, a nice revelation from about a- it. Yeah, and also to your point, something you always bring up, like really, what it is is it is a uh, uh, a, a shout out to the player development staff on this team is yes. what it really is. That's exactly right. Um, another, you know, ho hum, more dominant Brian Mitchell outings. Been trying to tell people for years. Guy's nasty. Um, was up to he was up to ninety eight the other day. I mean, come what on. Did you call him again? What'd you call him? I can't remember which. I can't remember what comp you made with him. Uh, the original Jim Constanti. Yeah, that's what it was. So I should just assume it always comes back to Jim Constanti. Yeah, well, listen. Our hero. Yeah, everyone brings up the Andrew Miller types and the Josh Hader types. Wait, wake me up when they win an MVP. <laughs> How's that? It's a good point, Jack. It's, uh, it's hard to... What else I got on here? Oh, Mickey Moniak's hitting the ball really hard. Yeah. So is. did you know that? So right now he has a 44% hard contact rate in in spring training. He is like... 1.2 miles out, miles an hour away on two different hits from being a hard contact rate, James, of 66%. Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> Hashtag why not. I mean, it's impressive. Why not Mick? Hashtag, Hashtag why not Mick. Uh, Spencer Howard. Like, I feel like I need to have, I feel like we as a, as a High Hopes podcast and community need to, like, come together on Spencer Howard. Like, it might not be this year. Whatever, like that. Oh, guy, oh. But but that guy is that oh, guy. Oh no, is that where we're at? That guy is at the, that it may guy, not be this year. Point. That guy. Is that, where we're at? that guy is too talented not to be a very good major league pitcher. I mean, his stuff is just stupid. And like, like the, the his he flashed a changeup yesterday that just straight up disappeared on people. Like it just disappeared on people. So um, it might be out of out of the bullpen for for this year, but like. He is just scratching the surface of how good he can be. And I can't wait till he gets there. I think he's going to be a really good pitcher. He's even throwing his curveball a little bit harder this year. The fastball is, st- once he gets the location down on it, it's just bad right now, but whatever. Like, gets that down. The changeup is a legitimate weapon. I just, I'm buying, if you're selling Spencer Howard stock, I'm buying it 
And I swear to God, if anyone tweets me with freaking, oh, says the Pavetta guy, I'm going to lose my mind. Like there is a. The, the, you should hold on. Can we can we rephrase that sentence? You should be saying, I swear to God, when people tweet me, because you know that know. people are going to tweet you that. But if you, so let's just accept it now. If you have such a pea brain where you can't watch these two next to each other and see that Spencer Howard has a different level of arsenal, then I just I can't help you. I just I just can't help you. So um, I I don't I don't know what his role is going to be this year, but whatever it is, like I am I am buying Spencer Howard stock. His his stuff is just stupid. All right, so you can get a deal on on Spencer Howard stock, not as high as it should be. Like, buy now. Yeah, buy his top shot. Whatever. That's, I like that. Whatever. That's <laughs> stupid thing. People we we are don't buying. we don't do that on this. One. I mean, that's just what a ridiculous thing. Oh, can we can we for a second just talk about the fact that this is going for millions of dollars and it's like a clip of a highlight? Like, what is happening? What is the world coming to? How is this a thing, Jack? How? I have absolutely no idea. This is all you youngins. This is your fault. Yeah, no, us you're old actually... people, we don't know anything about this. Yeah, you're actually right. Yeah, I mean, you're you're dead right. This is all our fault. <laughs> I mean, wake wake me up when an Onus Wagner top shot goes for two million. Okay. <laughs> it's just like it's so stupid. Like, don't <laughs> it's you have, so dumb? Don't you have anything else to spend your money on? I know. I just whatever. It's crazy. I just it's hate. Crazy. It. Um, I... I know we talk a lot of pitching on this podcast because that's like kind of what. I don't know. It's like the easiest thing to watch right now. Um, but in all seriousness, um, Andrew McCutcheon's bat looks fast. Like it, he, it looks like his hands are kind of back to being explosive and quick. So um, you know, obviously spring training and all of that. But I've been I've been pretty impressed with with McCutcheon. Um, looks like he's moving much better than he was last yes, year. Yes, that was my biggest takeaway. Was he looks like he's moving better. He doesn't look. Like that was the thing. Like all last year, you know, even when he and he and he turned it on towards the end of the year, like he really did start to see the ball better. And it, we thought it would take some time, but he's still in the outfield. Had that almost like a hitch to the way he ran. Um, I'm not seeing it as much so far from what we've seen. So that's really that's real positive. That is real positive. And final thing that I have is, so I know we don't talk much of the the football team in this podcast, but I came up with like an interesting parallel. Um, between between Middleton and Laurie. And I, I, I don't know how to do this, like, whatever, on the air, so I wanted to bring it to this podcast. But, like, you know, I'm pretty down on Laurie, and I was down on Middleton. But, like, the difference between Middleton and Laurie right now is that Middleton learned from the mistake that he made. Um, and, and you know, Klintak was a mistake, McPhail was a mistake. And he went, and, and we were all worried about how Middleton was this meddling owner and, and he was having control over everything. And I think what we've learned with Dave Dombrowski is like, sure, he wants to be involved in all that stuff. But if he has a guy that he trusts in there, then he's not going to be this overbearing owner. He just didn't, he lost trust in, in the Clint Axon McPhail. So what he did was he went out and brought in the most experienced guy out there to come in and run his baseball team. And, and he went out and got Joe Girard the year before, all of that. Meanwhile, the difference is, is that Laurie just doubled down on the guy who he knows isn't good. Like I, it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting like thirty thousand view look at the two teams right now. Whereas Middleton got guys in there he trusted and he's not viewed as this you know fraud cheat meddling owner. Whereas Laurie right now looks like a meddling owner that has his hands on everything and he's running it back with the the same guys that he's had control over. Whereas Middleton kind of got away from that and brought in a baseball guy that he believes in. I love that take. 
That is that is good work. Now, to be fair, Jeffrey Lurie does have a Super Bowl, which you know, oh my credit. God, I hate credit. That. Can we talk credit. about the stupid football team credit. bringing that awful game up? I mean, seriously, uh, it's your fault. You're the one who. I know. Did you say awful game? You mean the greatest game in the history of Philadelphia? Other than you know, well, it's even, it is better than Game Five, like because Game Five was over two nights and whatever. Like that, it's the greatest game in the history of Philadelphia. Jack. I know. I know. I, know. I, get, right. I get it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you, get get it. It. I get you get it. You get it. You get it. No, but honestly, to your point, though, I do think I do think Middleton deserves credit for that. Like he did, and it does seem like he is letting Dombrowski do his thing, and he's also trusting Dombrowski, like we talked about, to spend money, to maybe spend more money than he had anticipated spending. Like I, I do think, and also just the trust that Dombrowski has instilled throughout the organization. You know, we we talked about it, but the way Bryce Harper has talked about having Dave Dombrowski here and what it's meant to him to have that guy here running the organization. I do think there's a lot of, again, as, as we've kind of talked about, but it gives a lot of credibility to the organization in a way that it didn't have under Mac fail. Oh, I should just say fail. Yeah. Uh, You got anything else? I do not. It's all you buddy. Okay, good. As I, uh, let's get to it because again, shout out to our favorite Philly Mickey money for joining us. Um, We've talked about, I mean, anyone listening to this podcast knows that, you know, we've, We've hoped, we've endeavored to have new Philly Archie Bradley on the podcast and um, have been rebuffed and, and shunned yeah. in a way. Is, mm-hmm. And I would like to first, before we do this, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to the High Ups listeners who consistently have tweeted at Archie, have responded to tweets. Like uh, it, is, it is so amazing and it, it makes my heart warm and fuzzy and and makes me feel things when i see all of our awesome amazing beautiful wonderful listeners saying archie you gotta go on i hopes like archie come yeah. on man like what are you doing archie go on i hopes yeah. and i want this to continue but i have to i have to put my foot down okay um yeah and look jack I, I you know i made a little fun of him for fawning over archie bradley's appearance with angelo but here's the thing like the reason how upsetting that was for me was because if you heard Archie Bradley with Angela on WIP, you know that he's an amazing interview. Like this guy is so good. Like he was, he was as good a player interview as you'll ever hear with Angela. He was amazing. Like I, I loved him and it made me that much angrier that this guy won't come on here with the people who truly care about this team. So Jack, I'm putting my foot down. I have opened up Archie Bradley's Twitter, and, and wouldn't you know it, I'm looking at a tweet about him being on Chris Rose's podcast. Chris Rose? Right. Really? I know. Really? There it is. Chris freaking Rose? I was about to curse her. I was about to say Chris F and Rose, and I didn't. No offense, Chris Rose. You're fine. But, like, really, Archie? So here's what I'm going to do, Jack. And uh, I have to. Okay. I am officially unfollowing oh. Archie Bradley on the podcast. You're right here. Go. Oh, oh, oh. Unfollowed. Wow. I just unfollowed you, Archie. You will get the follow back when you come on this podcast. And again, like high hopes listeners, you rule. The more you want to tweet at Archie to come on this podcast, the better, as far as I'm concerned, because this is unbelievable. It is it is almost a slap in the face at this point. That's where I'm at, Jack. It certainly feels like a slap in the face. Now I will say this. You know, James, you are the only one on this podcast that has a blue check mark. So if you wanted to tweet at Archie Bradley, he would 100% see it because he has a blue check mark. I have tweeted him five times saying, Archie, come on the podcast. I've tweeted it from the show account. 
I've tweeted from my, <laughs> I've tweeted it from my oh, account. I'm just wondering if maybe, just maybe, uh, you want to. No, I hate this. You are. I. This is like the worst thing ever that yeah, you're asking me to do. Your your bit here backfired, didn't it, pal? <laughs> in a big way, because I've never once in my history in Twitter asked anyone like that to do it ever. I've never said we come on pop. We do. Like I've never done it. Before. All, I've never all, done it. All I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is this. Just say Archie, come on the pod. And he'll like. He'll know. He'll know. I'm just saying, you you have the power of the blue check. I don't have the blue check. <laughs> the blue check would get noticed. All right, what do you want me to do here? Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. I'll do it right here on the pod. I All hate right. this. This is killing. I the why not Mick was 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 a a, a a joy compared to this. Here's All right, what, what am I? Here's I'm what doing, I'm, real quick, yes. real quick. I'm not doing this for you, Jack. Okay. I'm doing this for the high ups listeners. I love the high ups listeners. And they will join me. When you see this tweet, tweet at Archie with me. Let's get this guy on the podcast. All right, Jack, what do I do? My all blue right, here's, check power. All right, all right, what am so, I doing? So open up open up a tweet, right? I have a tweet ready to go. It says, what's happening? All right, Let's all right, tell him what's So happening. here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a period. Put a period. Period. And then I want to say, at Archie Bradley 7. Do I have to follow him back no, again? No, even don't. Though I just, um, okay. Don't okay, do that. Okay. We, don't, we don't need right, to do that. At Archie Bradley 7. Come on at High Hopes Pod. Should I say please? No, please sounds desperate. Just say, right. just say Archie, um, Archie, Archie Bradley Seven, comma, comma. Of course, good grammar. Well, it's weird to put a comma after a handle, don't you think? Yeah. Here's know. what I'll do: I'll do the period at Archie Bradley Seven, and then I'll do spaces. So it's like a whole new line here. Okay. And then say, okay. come on at Com- high, come on at high hope spot. I think that will get the job done. Okay, that's it. Yes. So I've got period at Archie Bradley seven, and then I I did two spaces, and I just have come on I have spot, this and that's a, it. This has been a big Twitter podcast for you. It's this is the biggest yet yeah. ever, and again, it's for you listeners. That's All right, right, so should I hit tweet? This is what we're doing. Yeah. All right, I'm doing it. I feel like such a loser. I know. Okay, I, I, know. I did it just for the pod. I you, you guys have to know. There it you is. Know and like I did this for you. Already, like I hate it. Like, I'm like it. I, I got like anxiety about this. I love everyone. Already, I love you guys. already liked it. Uh, Mickey, this does not mean that we have moved on from you being our favorite Philly. You are still our favorite Philly. Uh, we're just trying to have Archie Bradley on the podcast as well. Yes. Oh, Mickey's our guy, no yes. matter what. Uh, yeah. Right. Archie can be another one of our guys if he ever wants to graze us with his presence. That's right. Okay, I can't believe that. Look at you. You you really just turned my bit around, right? Yeah. That's why I, you're the master of bits. I shouldn't try and come up with bits. I should let you be the big guy. No, I like this bit. Good. I like All right. I'm happy. I'm happy. I can see how red. I can see how red your face is through this. It's really red. So here's what you guys need to do for me, you beautiful, wonderful listeners. Back me up on this. Tweet at him. Follow my tweet or respond to my tweet. Whatever we got to do here, please, 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 please help me out here. Don't leave me out alone in the wilderness here. Let's get Archie on the pot. That's right. Okay. That's all I got, Jack. Oh, man. I, until next week. <laughs> I tweeted twice during this pod. I know. What a pod. I know. I know. I know. Until next week when we maybe or may not have Archie Bradley, you know, and when there's more spring training. I mean, we probably won't. Let's <laughs> I know. I know. It's okay, though. One day. We, we want you, Archie. Oh, and by the way, hey, everyone, on Monday, March 15th, uh, don't no. forget. Wish Jack Fritz a happy birthday. No. Yeah. All wish right, sure. You can, you can wish me a happy birthday. Yeah. Or if you want, you can wish my little brother, Peter Seltzer, a happy birthday. Tweet Jack 
happy birthday, Peter. Because that's pretty funny, too. Because who'd have thunk it? Jack Fritz and my little brother have the exact same birthday. Except my brother's older than you, which, again, just makes me feel even older. Yeah. Well, no one cares about Peter. My little, my little brother was in second grade when you were born. So Wow. That's an old family you got there. <laughs> I know. We're a bunch of old guys over here. It's great. It's great. All right. We good? We're good. He spread some thoughts.